Good morning. Uh, my name is Daniel Miller. I'm one of the elders here, uh, and I am excited to <coughs> preach in Advent again. Christmas and Advent is one of my favorite seasons of the year, and I like uh, I like getting to teach on it. So, um, first today we have our our kiddos in service. So, kiddos, where are we at? All right, fantastic. Okay, I have a question. And sometimes the big kids answer a lot of the questions, but this one, I'm really hoping for some answers from some of the smaller kids, right? So if you think that's you, be ready with an answer. All right, kiddos, who, raise your hand. If you got an answer for me, Philip, I see it. I'm gonna call on you. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna ask the question first though. Who is someone who loves you? Philip, who you got? Who loves you? That guy? Your dad? Great. Okay. Uh, Eli. Marshall? Yeah, good friend. All right. I love it. Yes. Your mom and your dad? Your grandpa? Yeah. Your grandma, uh, Ben, who you got? Your brother, okay. Kate? Jesus, Marshall? Me, okay. Ramona? Your friends? In the back, back there, who you got? Evie? Your mom? Josie? Your sister? Go ahead. Jesse, okay, all right, so we, oh, Levi, last one, go for it. Zeke, okay, fantastic. We have a lot of people who love us, that's good news, right? So first, several of you said your mom and dad love you, right, and that's good. So I have a question. Who do you think loved you first? Or who do you think loved the other person first? Did you love your mom and dad first, or did your mom and dad love you first? Got it. Your mom and dad loved you first, right? And, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, partially because partially they knew about you before you knew about them, right? When, when, even when you were in your mommy's tummy, uh, your parents loved you so much. And the Bible teaches us, and we're going to talk about this uh, a lot today, but the Bible teaches that even before your mommy and daddy loved you, somebody else loved you even before that. Who was it, Ethan? God, yeah, God loved us first. He loved us first. Before we, before we loved him, before our parents loved us, before anything, God loved us first. And we're going to talk a little bit about how God's love for us um, changes how we interact with the whole world, how we interact with other people, and how, how we see other people, and how... Um, really just changes everything. So when you get home today, talk to your parents about that, about what they learned, about how God's love changes kind of how we, how we look at things. All right? So um, grown-ups, we're going to talk about love today. And I will tell you, this is one of the more difficult sermons I have ever prepared for because love is probably one of the most talked about things in the world. Right? Think about the number of books about love. 
songs about love, um, movies about love, or, or people's opinions of it. You know, like sometimes it's like well represented, sometimes it's poorly represented, but like there's just so much information about what love is and how we're supposed to interact with that. And I, I at one point just had a, a list of quotes from movies and things about what, uh, what is love. Um, and I, I left that out, but um, you, can, you can fill it in. You can think of them uh, if you get bored while I'm talking up here. So uh, I'm going to try to keep it short. I'm going to try to stay within what the Bible says about love um, and talk about that and do my absolute best to not talk about the million other different thoughts that I've had about love and different ways of thinking about that. So um, I'm going to start today um, reading... Maybe the most common passage that you would think of um, that has to do with love, and if you've ever been to a wedding, you probably heard this, but uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm actually not going to spend a whole lot of time on this part, um, because um, really, I want to I set this up, this first part, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, because um, I really think this is kind of a cautionary, cautionary passage, right? It should make something trick, uh, tip trigger something in our brain uh, that like, hey, we need to listen to this. Even if we think we're in good shape, we need to listen to this a little bit. So 1 Corinthians 13, um, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So I'm going to pause there um, and just kind of point out, it talks about speaking, of tongue, speaking in the tongues of men and angels, having prophetic powers to understand mysteries and knowledge, um, faith to move mountains, and uh, like such generosity, um, delivering up my body to be burned, giving away all that I have. Those are really, really good things. Those are, in fact, many of them like specifically listed fruits of the Spirit, gifts that God has given to the church, right? So those are good things. Those are, are good gifts from God to the church. And so, like, just think if you had a list like, hey, man, I have, uh, I can speak in the tongues of men and angels. I have prophetic powers to understand all mystery and knowledge. I have, my faith can move mountains. Um, I've given away all that I have. I've given up even my body to be, to be burned. But like Paul says here that like, if we don't love, none of that matters, right? So we can do a lot of really, really good things. But Paul is saying here, like, if we don't get love right, we are a, a noisy gong. We are a clanging cymbal. We gain nothing. And so, like, I think this is something, like, we should, we should turn an ear to this. Like, we should listen. Um, because just starting with Paul here, like, Paul's saying, like, this is really, this is really important. Like, God has given you gifts, and if you, if you use those, that's awesome, but, but you need to get love right. And so, he then goes, and he, he turns, and he says, like, okay, that's, that's, we need to be careful. Here's what love looks like. And so, um, he goes on and says, love is patient, is kind, it does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, and I had, a, I had a quote, and I thought about taking it out, and I, put it, I took it out, and I put it back in, and I took it out, and I put it back in. So uh, I don't know. Um, but it, it was really, really compelling to me. And it, it ended up being in. So coin flip on whether this is a good idea or not, but here it is. Um, so this is a guy named Marshall uh, Seagal uh, said this in an article that I read. But he said, uh, the, the apostle encouraged, even charged them to practice these gifting. So like, again, gifts, they're good things given by God. Um, but evidently, some were given profound spiritual insight and an unusual ability to articulate those insights. But they lacked love. Um, and so here he's, you know, giving his opinion, but he said they probably assumed they were loving the church when really they were, they loved being gifted or needed or seen. And I think we can all agree, like we have mixed motives oftentimes, right? We, we, we serve, but sometimes we want to be seen or we, uh, or whatever else. And so he goes on and he says, still today, some of us pursue gifting, insisting on using our own abilities, whether in churches or communities or careers, but we do so without love. We're more concerned about being needed, being productive, being successful, than we are with loving others. We likely see this, and this, this last sentence really like, really thought-provoking to me, um, but he says, we likely see this best when what others need from us diverges from the ways we want to be serving. It's like just thought provoking to me. Like, um, am I, do I have a particular bend? Like I want to use my gifts and I want to be noticed or like, do I want to love and serve in ways that people need? Um, that was just convicting to my own heart. Right? So like loving people is more important than, uh, a whole lot of things. Um, and so that first, the first passage, first Corinthians 13, really, I just, I just want to set that up as like a, whether you think you, you are crushing it in love or, you know, it's a struggle or, or wherever, wherever we are, like this is important and, uh, something we need to be constantly in tune to, um, our, our main passage, the main area where I want to focus in and, um, I want to look at what, what is love, what is, what is Christian love in particular, not like some generic worldly idea of love, but like what is Christian love? Like where does it come from? Um, what does it do and kind of what is its end goal? And we're going to focus um, on 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. And before I read the passage, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my three points up there. Uh, there they are. Um, so Christian love, first of all, originates with God. Um, intervenes to others and ends with God's glory. So those are kind of the three, the three things that I think we're going to see in this passage and in other places that um, Christian love originates with God, intervenes uh, to the lives of others, and then its, its end goal is, is the glory of God. So I'm going to read uh, 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Uh, so read, read along with me here. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might, that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have, been, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Um, we thank you for your word that you have given it, given it to us um, to instruct us, um, to know more of who you are, to know more of what you have done for us. Um, I pray today that you would speak through me from your word, um, that you would um, help us to know more of your love, that we would um, be changed by that, and that we would um, glorify you by how we show that to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Um, Three points I said. First, uh, Christian love originates, um, I think I said put with God, which I apologize if there's any grammar people out there because I really had a hard time knowing if I should say um, Christian love originates with God or Christian love originates in God or Christian love originates from God or because he is love, but he also gives us that love. And so anyway, I'm not a, I'm not a English person and I don't know. And I apologize for that, but, um, it's kind of complicated though. Cause he is like, it says he is love, but also he gives us love and also he shows us love. And also he, it's, it's, there's a lot of things. Um, but this, this idea that um, love originates with God is not new to John. It's not new in the New Testament. Um, in Deuteronomy um, chapter 7, um, it says, uh, For you are a, a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord, uh, Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you for you are the fewest of people, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out of, uh, brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of the Pharaoh King of Egypt. So like God, uh, like it is woven throughout scripture from the beginning that like, we don't love God first. Like love is from God. He, he sets his love upon us and we are changed by that. Um, 
And we see in, in this passage in 1 John many, 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 many places that, um, that l- loving and knowing God are, are interconnected. Like um, in verse 7 and 8, we see, uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So it's, this is saying, if you love, then you know, then you know what God is like. Um, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so we see that uh, this idea that, that knowledge of God and, and love toward other people and toward God are, are interconnected. They're woven together. Um, abiding in love means abiding with God. We see that later in verses 12 and verse 16. Um, we see... Uh, throughout this passage, um, but mostly um, kind of towards the end, that Christian love is an inseparable byproduct of salvation. Like if we have been saved by faith in Christ, love is is not an, an optional add-on. It is something that is woven into what it means to be a Christian. And we see we see this, like I said, all throughout there. Um, but, but it is, it's inseparable for, for John. Like you can't untangle that knot. They are, they are woven tightly together. Um, and that is a gift from God. So God gives us that love. Um, it's woven into salvation. It is woven into knowledge of God. It is, it is all, um, in there together. Second point, um, Christian love intervenes into the lives of others. We see that, um, exemplified in all three persons of the Trinity. Um, God manifested his love uh, to us in the person of Jesus. So verse 9, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world. So he didn't just love us uh, from far away, some um, non-intervening passive love. He did something about it. He sent sent his Son into the world. Uh, We see... uh, God the Son, we see Jesus perfectly de- demonstrating his love through his, his life of perfect obedience, um, his compassion towards others, his healing, um, meeting needs, building relationships, his willingness to obey even to the point of death um, for us, um, and then even now interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. We see um, in Romans 13, um, or sorry, Romans 8, uh, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is, is at the right hand of God, uh, indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So like even right now, Jesus is actively demonstrating his love for you and for me at the right hand of the Father. He is intervening for us and praying for us all the time. He is doing something in the lives of others. And then we have the Spirit that lives inside of us, helps us to grow, helps us to understand uh, uh, Romans 8, uh, just actually right before that other passage, 8.26, uh, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, none of them are passive. None of them sit back and just watch and have some feeling of love. They love us, and they, they intervene into our lives. We see that in Scripture. All, and those are, those are three small examples, but we see that all throughout Scripture. Uh, love that doesn't intervene to the object of that love is, is hollow, right? If it's just, it's, just, um, it's hollow, and it, it isn't really love. Uh, and then the third, the third thing to take away from that particular passage. Um, Christian love is designed to magnify and spread God's glory. Um, and again, these, these ideas in, in chapter 4, it's all kind of woven together because he, he's repeating himself that God is love and that um, what it means to be tied into that love. But um, a few places, verse 9, we see... In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son to the world, that we might have life through him. Uh, in verse 12, it says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his, and his love is perfected in us. So through our love, God's love is, is made full and demonstrated through us. Um, and the, the purpose is to... Uh, to glorify God and to, to raise us up in that. Uh, one, of the, one of the main things, I'm running through these points pretty quickly, but one of the main things that just my mind kept going back to over and over and over in this passage is one of the only sentences that doesn't actually say love, which kind of should stand out because of the number of times love is mentioned in this passage. And it has to do with, with, this third, with this third point here, that um, the end goal is, is God's glory. And so if you, if you look with me um, in verse, I'm going to start in 11. But, um, so it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And then here's, here's this phrase. No one has ever seen God. Boom. And then it, and then it goes on. And it says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his perfect love is perfected in us. And so that's kind of a weird statement to throw in a passage that is all about love, right? Love one another, do this, and then just right in there, like, no one's ever seen God. So I am going to tell you, I don't think that the main purpose for that phrase being in there is for us to, to know that, like, with the, their eyeballs, no one has ever seen God. I don't think that, like, that's what it says, and I think that that is a true statement, but I don't think that's the intention. Like, I think if, we, if, we, if we're reading this passage, what is, what is the purpose there? And so I think we all get this. And, uh, oh, no, let's see. This is, this is off the cuff. Youth question, here we go. Youth, youth age kids, I don't get to talk to you guys very much. Here we go. So let's just suppose, right, you're talking with your friends, and one person over here says, man, my mom makes the best brownies. And then another person over here says, no, 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 no. 
my aunt makes the best brownies. Okay, brownies, brownies. You know, this person thinks their mom makes the best brownies. This person thinks their aunt makes the best brownies. And then this other person says something like, they're not even going to say anything about brownies, right? They just say this statement, and here's your job, youth kids. I want you to tell me what they mean by this, okay? You've never been to my grandma's house. Okay, so here, here it is, right? My mom makes the best brownies, You've never been to my grandma's house. My aunt makes the best brownies. Okay, so what are they, what, what, what are they talking about with their grandma's house? That doesn't have anything to do with anything. Zeke, what do you got? Right, okay, my grandma makes the best brownies. That's really what you're trying to communicate, right? And so in this statement, let's, let's read through this again and see if we can connect the brownies to God's love here. Um, so, remember, passage all about love. In verse 11, we have this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his perfect love is perfected in us. So what is that talking about with the no one has seen God? Johnny? Uh-huh. Right. And so that love is, is, what is it doing? It is functioning as a way for a lost world to see God. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. The way that we treat one another, the way that we love one another, is not just like a thing so that we're kind and get along. Like that is a window for the world to see who God is. Like there's not much that's bigger than that, guys. Like what are we, what are, what are we as Christians here for? We are here to demonstrate and glorify God in the world that he has put us in. And, and for John, like love and knowledge of God is all interconnected. You cannot untangle that. It is all so tightly woven together. And so that statement, no one has ever seen God, like think about the implications of that with Christian love. If we don't love one another, that doesn't change. Right? Like, like that is how people see God is through um, us loving other people um, and loving him and loving other Christians. Like love is a really big deal. And uh, it's, it's simple, right? Love is, love is, is simple, but it is also like profoundly complex. Uh, and reading through, you know, some of these different passages um, in 1 Corinthians, it ends, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 ends with, um, I'll just read it. This is me going off on a tangent I was not going to talk about. So here we go. I was supposed to stay on my notes. So I'm not doing it. Um, uh, 
Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13 says, now, now faith, hope, and love abide. So like they're there, faith and hope and love abide. Um, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I think if I'm honest, a lot of times, if I'm listing like uh, attributes of the Christian life or whatever, I would, I would not often think like love is the top, right? Like faith, grace, um, hope, like those, those may be a lot of times in my mind, but like, that's not what, that's not what Paul says there. He says the greatest of these is love. And I would say John probably agrees with him. Um, and so what do we, what do we do about this? What's our application? Um, and I, I said this in the kids sermon, but I think as Christians, our worldview should be 100% altered by love. Um, I'm going to sound really corny here, but it's not rose-colored glasses. It's, it's love-colored glasses, uh, which is corny, and I know that. Maybe you'll remember it, uh, but also, like, it's really, really true. Like, that's, that's really serious. Um, the way we perceive the world around us, like wrongs done to us, um, the way we treat our kids, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our coworkers, the way we treat our roommates— um, as, as God's people, we have been transformed, not by knowledge. We have been transformed by an act of love to us. And so like, we cannot be unchanged by that. Like that does something to us. Um, and so that's why like at, at BC, we, we take things like gospel culture so seriously because that is an, an outworking of Christian love. Um, and when we did our gospel culture series, you know, we looked at neediness, generosity, humility, hospitality, kindness, honor, vulnerability. And I really think those are just like bite-sized portions of love. Kind of like what those are small outworkings, things that we can look at in, in smaller ways. But how we treat people, how we treat one another, how we treat visitors, how we treat our enemies, how we treat um, everybody, it matters. It matters a lot. Um, I think uh, also love should change the way we the way we read our Bible, the way we study theology, the way we think through uh, doctrine and things like that. Um, if we are studying, if we are reading our Bible. Um, without love in the forefront of our mind, I think we can miss a lot of stuff. So uh, one, just one example, and it's hard, that's hard to do, by the way, because I think, you know, we get in, we get in rhythms, we get in habits, um, and the heart is a hard thing to, to steer sometimes. Um, but just an example, like reading through um, Romans 5 verse 8 um, says, really common, really common verse, um, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? That's a really like foundational verse. A lot of doctrine in there. Uh, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I think the, the tendency, like apart from reading that through the lens of 
being transformed by the love of Christ, we can come away from that verse with something like, wow, we are really bad and God is way better than us. Um, and it's like, no, I mean, yes, that's true. But also like, that's not, that's not the point there. Um, God loves you so much. He loves you so much that like when we didn't want anything to do with him, when we were his enemies, when we were pursuing our own destruction, um, he came after us. Um, he didn't, and he didn't just like love us from afar. He didn't just like feel warm feelings, but like kind of set off to the side, waiting for us to get our own stuff figured out. And then, and then he would bring us in like he, he condescended and took on flesh and then led a, a life that none of us would envy as, as like on a human level, Right. Like he was poor. He was like, he moved, had to move around a lot when he was an adult. He, he was, you know, travel weary, worn down, um, impoverished, had no place to lay his head, but he was faithful to God. Uh, he, he suffered, he was ridiculed, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was killed, and he didn't do that to like check some box and accomplish some task. He did that because he loves us so much, right? So as we, re as we read through and we think through these things, like the Christmas story is not like Jesus was born in a manger. Yay, Jesus, like... Like he did those things because he loves us so much that he, he worked to redeem a people to himself. And, and as we, uh, as we like go, go out and as we um, live our, our normal lives and we, we do our Christmas things and we, you know, go to work and whatever else, I think, uh, at least for me, this is, this is me preaching to my own heart. Um, but hopefully you guys can get something out of it. I think, um, sometimes I think like if I, if I read more, I have more knowledge, I have more like sound, uh, like bullet points of what I believe. Um, like that, that does help me know who God is more and that is helpful. But I think sometimes I, I don't work to stir up my affections, for God. Like I work to gain more, more understanding of God. And I work to think about what I should do more. And those are really good things, but like we should, we should like meditate and like stew in the truth that we have in such a way that causes us to, to like well up with affection and love for God. Right, because so much of what it means to be a believer is rooted not in our head knowledge. Like certainly we have to know true things to worship God in truth, but like in our heart, like we need to work to to like love God and love people and not just like get things done. Like and so like thinking about how do I um, how do I love my kids better? Like I think about the the gift and the blessing that they are to me? How do I love God more? I think about the gift of, of 
all of the things, like I have nothing apart from him. Like I should, I should just well up with emotion thinking about this wonderful God who has given me everything good in my life. And like so often I just like, I read my Bible and I move on to the next thing. Like, um, and so like working on our heart toward affection, I think is, is a hard thing for me sometimes to do. Um, and I'm not a super emotional person, but like that's, I think that's something I, I want to grow in. And I, I think like I would encourage you guys to, to do that too. Um, the last, last thing I want to uh, read through um, one more passage and then we'll sing a few more songs. Um, and actually the end of this passage is going to be our benediction um, today. But in Ephesians chapter three, um, there's kind of a, kind of a prayer um, that I think really gets at, gets at all of this stuff. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to talk about it or not. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, uh, but then we'll, we'll sing. So Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 says this, um, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And before I read the rest of it, um, just like think, think about what, what Paul is getting at there, right? Him listing, like saying it in that way, he is, he is trying to work, like stir up our hearts in love for God. Like that is the purpose of that rooted and grounded in love that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know that the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Guys, what we, how we love each other matters. And I think we are a church that is, that is good at like, we get along well. I think we, I think we love each other well. I, I really, I really do mean that. And, uh, but like this, this passage is, is encouraging to me to like lean in all the way, like all the way. The way that we love, the way that, that we care for each other, the way that we care for um, our community, the way that we care and show love towards, towards visitors and, and people who, who can't give us anything in return, like that is how we show our world who our God is. And, and I, I can't stress that, I can't stress that enough that like love is, love is where it's at. And that's not something that, that we, we just muster and do like it, it comes from God. And so I would say, um, 
I guess my, my application, like, like do that stuff, love one another, but, but like meditate on like how amazing it is what God has done for us. Because right? we, can't, we can't muster uh, love for one another that's going to last on our, own, on our own accord. Like, we can't do that. But God is so abundant in his love and care for us that we, that we can, like, pass that through, you know, like God is passing his love through us to others, and that is limitless. All right, let's, let's pray. God, you are good. Um, and I thank you for, I thank you for, for this church. I thank you for, I thank you for giving us your son. And I thank you that we, um, we have this, this time of year to celebrate that. And I just pray that you would, that you would overwhelm our hearts with, with love for you, that we would see the goodness and the grace that you have poured out to us. Father, that we can't even comprehend all that you have done for us. I pray that that transforming love would cause us to love each other, to love our community, and to love you for your glory. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.